Hello and welcome to Very Excellent Habits, the podcast that helps you create little habits for a big life. I'm Carly Jacobs, writer and mostly sensible habit maker. This episode's inspiration, weirdly, comes from Tamin Zersok. So she's an Australian actress who used to be on Home and Away and then she was on Pretty Little Liars. Anyway, I started following her on Instagram and she's really, really funny, which I found quite odd because I've never actually seen her play a funny character before. Casting directors, there is some untapped talent there, so you heard it here first. Anyway, sorry, this is a super convoluted introduction. She mentions that she tracks her menstrual cycles and changes the way she eats, works out, does her self-care based on what period she's at in her menstrual cycle. This is something I previously knew absolutely nothing about. So I have had a 28-ish day cycle basically forever, except for when I was pregnant and breastfeeding, obviously. And it's been mostly regular, except for a few times when I've been stressed out and skipped a period. I've never actually tracked my cycle outside of kind of thinking to myself, oh, you know, I had my period at Steph's party, which was three weeks ago. So maybe my period's due next week, like that kind of thing. I've never actually been very plugged into my periods, mainly because they're painful and long and regular, like nothing to see here. It never occurred to me how much more there was to learn about my period and menstrual cycles. And when I started looking into it, I was horrified about how little I knew. I discovered Lucy Peach just a few weeks ago when I asked my followers on Instagram to recommend someone for this episode. If you've never heard of her, just picture someone in your head that would be called Lucy Peach. And that's pretty much what you get. She's a funky musician from Western Australia who does musical period education. She's also a sexual health educator. She's written a fabulous book called Period Queen. And no kidding, everyone needs to read this book. Here is my chat with Lucy. Hello, welcome. How has your week been? My week has been pretty good. What are we now? Monday. Um, I'm day 28 today, so I'm, uh, yeah, I'm day 28. <laughs> <laughs> How long's your cycle? Uh, it's generally like between 29 and 31. Um, so it's kind of on the longer side. Um, and I know I ovulated sort of about day 17 because my temperature went up on day 18. And generally, once you ovulate, then it's like two weeks, you know, 14 to 16 days from when you ovulated. So if I ovulated on day 17, then it's likely that my cycle's, you know, going to be about 31 days long. So I've got a few more days to go. <laughs> and, I think uh, I'm sitting on about day 22 or, t- or 23. Okay. But I mean, it really depends on what day you're on. Just for the, for the listeners at home, this will all make a lot more sense to you once we explain about cycles and things. But um, yeah, so... I generally start the episode with a recommendation of the week, so Mm -hmm. I will go first. This week I recommend it's pre-made Laksa stock. So it like that sounds bananas, but it's like, you know, when you just buy regular chicken stock, you can Mm. actually just buy like stock that's Laksa flavored. It's Mm. so easy. You just chuck it in like a pressure cooker or whatever, and then you can just like make Laksa and you don't have to like do all the herbs and all that kind of stuff. Very, very good recommendation. What is your recommendation of the week? Um, my recommendation, look, I thought about this. Um, can I have two? (laughs) Absolutely. Go for it. I made an insane rhubarb crumble this weekend. It was just so good. And crumble was the kind of thing that I used to get delegated to making when I was a kid. That was like my job to make the crumble. And so as an adult, I got really bored of it and I was just like, this is like muesli, you know, it's not exciting, but I've kind of come back to it and I've really perfected it and it was amazing. So there was that, but my real shining recommendation, and I know I'm like three years behind on this, but is the book Boy Swallows Universe. Have you you read read that book? I am one of those people who couldn't oh get my, into it. Do you know what? Oh, you couldn't You couldn't get into it. I couldn't get into okay. it. I tried. I really, really wanted to, but I, I'm a speed reader okay. and I read really, really fast. So mm. in stream of consciousness kind of books, I can't read them fast enough. So mm. I end up just not reading them. Mm. But I have heard wonderful things about it for people who read properly. Mm. Actually, I'm a speed reader too. And I felt guilty speed reading it because it's so 
poetic, you know, so I would force myself to go back and be like, no, imagine the thing, imagine the bike, imagine the rust, imagine the colour. So it, it was sort of more onerous, but I was so invested in the characters and I just feel like, yeah, anyway, so I'm kind of like, in, you know when you just finish an amazing book and then you like have this little grief, you're like, oh my God, I miss him. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. I had the same thing with Girl, Woman, Other that oh, I yes, finished. Yes. Oh my God, it was so good. Mm. I just finished it and I was just like, I don't even, you know mm. when things are so perfect, you mm. just don't have anything to say because you've got no feedback. That's right. It's yep. like, it's that was full, just perfection. Well done. Full circle. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for the recommendation. Uh, this week, I've got you here talking about all things periods. Mm-hmm. I absolutely adored your book and I am deeply embarrassed to admit that I have never read a book about periods before, which is, you know, at the age of, you know, oh God, even how old am I? In my 30s. It, I can't believe I've never actually come across anything like this before. How did this become kind of your main subject matter because basically your career is built on periods. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I just got a visualisation of that. I was like, yeah, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> it is very cool. Um, first of all, I just want to really like wrap my arms around that little, I'm embarrassed I haven't read a book about period feeling <laughs> and just like smother it in love because... <laughs> Um, I feel like a lot of people feel that way and 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 to me that just speaks so directly to um, the whole idea that, you know, we internalise this stuff and blame ourselves and blah, 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 when in reality the actual issue here is that, um, you know, it hasn't been allowed to be spoken about. It's been something that's been weaponised. It's been something that's you know, being used as a tool of oppression, really. And so, um, um, yeah, I think finally things are really starting to change. We're really just seeing in the last five years in particular, it's just exploding, this sort of period positive, period pride, period power conversation. Um, So, and in terms of how I got into it, you know, I think it's one of those things where you've been... um, obsessed about something for a long time and then it finally kind of starts trending and then you're like oh my god my whole I can life jump on this bandwagon now building to this moment <laughs> I am ready for this wave yeah so and basically I mean I've, I tell this story in a few different ways but I was thinking about it this morning and I was like actually I mean the whole reason I got into you know banging on preaching period power Um, is because I was working as a sexual health educator after I'd been a human biology teacher. Um, But getting into sexual health was, I just, I'm so glad, I'm so grateful that that happened to me at the time that it did because I was 27 and I had a two-year-old boy and um, I was married and we had a mortgage and interest rates were really high and money was really tight. And um, I had literally signed a contract 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 to sign a contract I'd sign a contract to go up north to Geraldton um which is about six hours north of Perth um and be a maths teacher and I didn't really want to do that and I just sort of started getting into music at the time and I remember googling folk folk music Geraldton and it said your search has yielded no results and I was like oh great like <laughs> oh this is gonna just don't make me live in a town no that doesn't I'm have music <laughs> yeah I was really like oh god well I guess this is the right thing and you know I'd signed the contract we were going it was happening and um my partner was gonna be a firefighter up there get a transfer and then we literally ran into a friend on the street who was, you know, weeks away from giving birth and, you know, we hadn't caught up for a while. And anyway, she said, I'm leaving my job as a sexual health educator. They haven't found someone yet. You should do it. And I was like, okay, what does a sexual health educator do? And anyway, I applied and had an interview and got the job. And that then really sparked this whole other trajectory, which was just, yeah, um, that was, that's kind of, that's why I'm where I'm at now yeah what a fortuitous meeting like I that know. just totally changed the entire course of your life I absolutely love that thank you so <laughs> 
<laughs> one of my favorite lines in the book is that women are cyclical, not linear. Can you mm. give the listeners like a Cliff's Notes version of the menstrual of the menstrual cycle and what they should actually be paying attention to? Yeah, so I guess, you know, when when we're, you know, talking about phases and we're talking about the cycle and I'm talking about the powers, really what underpins it all are these hormonal drivers. And so um, obviously not all women have periods and not everyone who has a period is a woman, um, but really we're talking about sort of biologically male versus biologically female stock standard hormones. And so for men, they have testosterone is the main hormonal driver and they have a 24-hour cycle so they get up in the morning the testosterone is peaking it kind of drops down during the day and then um, they go to sleep and it replenishes and they wake up and they're good to go and obviously they have a whole other you know things going on in their life but just in a nutshell that's the male cycle so it's kind of like the sun it's 24 hours if you have a biologically female cycle it's longer so it's over a whole month it's like the moon um and you know when you compare that to a male cycle then it looks like it's unpredictable and it's all over the place and you know what's happening it's up and it's down and it's then it's changing and every week is different and what's going on but if you pay attention to it and you zoom out and you look at the month as a whole Sorry, there's a rubbish truck going past. Can you hear that? No, that's fine. Um, pardon the pun. So, yeah, when you look at the month as a whole, you see that actually there are patterns, they are predictable, and you can use them and plan for them. And so, you know, there are two major events in your menstrual cycle. There's menstruation and there's ovulation. And you are always either experiencing these two major events or you're preparing for them and so if you look at your period as kind of um you know the lowest deepest point of your cycle and then usually is (laughs) and then ovulation as your kind of highest you know largest moment then you can see that you really kind of you go from nothing you work up to something then you get to everything and then you work down again i'm trying to do the graph in the air with my hands (laughs) and so you've got these four distinct hormonal phases where you're menstruating you're preparing to ovulate you're ovulating you're preparing to menstruate and you know it's really um powerful when you start to pay attention to your own cycle i mean what i've done is tried to offer a guide but everybody's different obviously and it's only in tracking your own cycle that you'll start to see your patterns and how your phases work for you and then how you can prepare for them but also use them and, I think- and also respect them as well which I think was one of the things I love the most in in your book because I my periods are like total overshare here my periods are very heavy and very painful I'm not mm. I have I've been tested for endo and PCOS mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff I just happen to have heavy awful mm. periods mm-hmm. so I've never really been particularly into my periods and mm. I've, I've I've met people throughout my life that, um you know similar to yourself who really embrace their periods and really lean into them um but yeah it's before we get onto that actually I just wanted to have a little chat about period poverty um that is something that I only just came across in the last couple of years and I think it's a really important thing to think about so I mean this episode is mainly aimed at women to lean into their own cycles and work with their own energies within their cycles but I think it's really important to talk about privilege within Mm. periods. And Mm. can you walk us through period poverty and why it's important and why Mm. we need to pay attention to it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. And obviously, you know, if you were to look at sort of a a Maslow's hierarchy of needs version of menstrual empowerment, then, you know, understanding your cycle and using it to your advantage would be somewhere at the top in terms of, you know, menstrual actualization but you've got to have what you need to bleed, right? And, um, you know, I think it's it's really, um, it's something that we've just got to remember is all tied up in stigma. Period poverty is just another form of period stigma because for most people, um, it's, it's 
it's the stigma that prevents the conversation that helps people to get the things that they need. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. So um, if anyone's interested in this, um, Chris Bobel is a Canadian author and she's um, written a few books on this. Um, one of them's called The Managed the managed Body. No, let me Google that and get back to you. I've just had a brain <laughs> No, <fart>. that's fine. <laughs> um, but she talks about this idea that obviously, you know, everyone needs what they need to bleed and that's really important that we have access and choice. But just that when we um, sort of fall into that trap of, and I'm saying we as a, you know, white Western privileged woman, when we fall into the trap of saying, oh, you know, all these poor brown people and they've got nothing to bleed in and we'll, you know, raise all this money and we'll send them fluffy white pads and then everyone will be happy and those poor people will have what they need. And actually it's just quite a, I'm not, I'm not saying you were thinking this, but it, I remember the first time I read about this, I was like, wow, that is so true because, you know, in lots of places where maybe um, people bleed into, you know, cotton squares of material um and you know hearing about that as a younger person you might have thought oh that's gross you know that's oh there's poor people that's disgusting but actually now a lot of us are coming full circle and saying oh it's actually really nice to bleed into some fabric and you know to rinse it out and you know pour the water on your garden if you like and have more contact with your blood and to then rinse it out in the sun to not be making any waste you know so I don't really have an answer for you. I guess I think it's just, you know, we need more conversations about what's going on in our bodies and how we care for them and how they are valuable and powerful. And, and it's all part of it. So the more we talk about just normalising periods in general, then the more okay it's going to be um, for people to talk about what they need and to get access to what they need. I completely agree. In the last couple of years, I've started using a menstrual cup and that I remember someone flagging the idea with me maybe 10 years ago. I think it was someone I did theatre with. And she was like, I use a menstrual cup. And I was like, oh my God, I was I was mm. visibly horrified by the concept mm. of using a menstrual cup. And I was like, no, thank you. And then 10 years later, I, it was more of an environmental issue mm. for me using, mm-hmm. you know, tampons and pads and things. And I never really liked using pads. But yeah, I, I am now a proud cup user and I tell everyone I've done you know stories and blog posts and stuff on on using a menstrual cup and I completely agree it's just more getting over your own shame that has been inbuilt into you Mm. and and then talking about making those changes as well and admitting Mm. like Mm. admitting that you were grossed out by menstrual Mm. cups 10 years ago and hopefully someone listening will be like ew I'm grossed out by menstrual cups maybe I can get over this Totally. And just to acknowledge, you know, it's a new thing and like any new thing, it's, you know, tricky at first and it's something to get your head around, but it it really is worth getting used to. And it's like, yeah, it might seem weird putting a silicon cup inside of you to collect the blood, but then <laughs> so is putting a tampon up there that's, you know, filled with all this stuff that you don't even know about. And it's kind of, it just goes to show how we can kind of think that that is normal, but a cup isn't normal or you know whatever and um yeah I think once you if you can get the hang of the cup but you do feel like a serious badass like you absolutely I'm do. saving the environment I'm <laughs> saving money look at my blood I'm amazing and I just so I true really, I really want to just quickly say you know further just a little bit to you talking about painful periods before I, I really would um, be aghast if anyone feels like you know to optimize your period or to get involved in your phases means you have to love everything about your cycle because that's like yeah <laughs> that is not what I'm about I'm I am yeah sort of just really aware that it's a very different experience for lots of people and just you know in understanding your whole cycle hoping that you can kind of take some of the edge off so yeah We'll on that note, that. my favourite part of your book war was the four phases. So the dream, do, give and take phases of your menstrual cycle. I just love the labelling of things like that. It's almost like a quiz, mm. like, and you kind of end up in like a particular phase. Can you talk us through these phases and how we can honour them within our own menstrual cycles? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you begin on day one, the day that you start bleeding and your hormone levels have flatlined and your cup you know, metaphorically is empty. And this is the time to let go. It's the time to let go literally of your lining. It's the time to let go of 
whatever it is that you've been carrying around that you don't want to drag into a brand new month. And it's the time to really just stop before you start. And I call it the dream phase because there are lots of cultures that believe that at this time of the month, you are closest to your deepest self. And I think that really makes sense because without all of the kind of um, hormonal drivers and buffers, you kind of just reduce to the nub of yourself. And so, you know, this is really the time to just up your self-care and, you know, maybe do some contemplation about how the month has been and how the month is going to be ahead. Um, So that's the dream phase. And once you finish bleeding, while even you're bleeding, your eggs are kind of, you know, getting ready to kick off and do it all again. And so once you finish bleeding, your estrogen levels are rising and, you know, this is like your power week if you get enough rest in your menstrual dream phase. So this is the longest part of the cycle just before um, you ovulate, so between getting your period and ovulating. And I call that the do phase because in theory, if you've gotten all the rest and you've done all the sort of, you know, introspective contemplation time, then you unfurl and you get ready and now it's your time to do because, you know, you've got more energy, you've got more focus, you've got more drive. And this is a really important time to back yourself. So, you know, maybe if you've been mulling over something when you had your period and then you kind of have the rest and you sit on it and you think about it and then you pop out of the gates and then, you know, it comes to you, whatever that solution is or the next step. And you should always follow that trajectory just take that sort of um, message from your body, you know, that you're on the right track and really just that's, that's, your, that's your trajectory for the month, just go. <laughs> um, and so once you have peak estrogen and a little shot of testosterone, that pushes you over into ovulation. And I call that the give phase because from an evolutionary perspective, this is the time of the month where you would be potentially bonding with, um, you know, someone who'd helped you get pregnant. And so this whole phase is really about connection and collaboration and community and, um, you know, connecting. And so you're still, you know, you're still riding high on lots of estrogen, but now you've got progesterone, which is nature's feel-good hormone. And this is the time to really just make sure you're nurturing the relationships that nurture you, you know, just really kind of putting all of that connection under a spotlight and taking care of it like it's a garden or, you know, all the people that you love. And so then we're coming to the fourth and final phase. You've done your dreaming, you've done your doing, you've done your giving. Now it's time to take because you are coming down this hormonal mountain. The hormones are all starting to recede. You're not feeling like doing as much. You're not feeling like giving as much. You just want to kind of take yourself away and do a little bit of hibernating because you're getting ready to bleed, you know, and it makes sense. You, you kind of have to just clear the decks, clear the path, so that you have this, you know, clean slate in front of you, ready to bleed on, I was going to say. That's a really <laughs> great visual. It's um, interesting metaphor. <laughs> yeah, but it's really when, you know, it's probably, I think, the most crucial time to know where you are in your cycle and to really kind of scaffold and prepare because no one can look at you generally and know that you're premenstrual. And so it's really up to you to know where you are so that you can take what you need for yourself so that you can do this whole thing again. So how do you track your period? Do you have like an app or do you, or, or you're just so in tune with it now that your spider senses can just kind of pick up on it? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, apps are great. I think they're really good as cues to get you into the habit of um, asking those questions of yourself. But basically for me, what I teach um, is, you know, just like a little sign in in the morning. So it's before you get up out of bed, before you kind of start the day and get back into the groove of all the things that you do without really thinking about. Um, Yeah, just ask yourself, what day am I on? What do I need? And how can I best channel this power today? Um, And so, yeah, I, I don't love apps for me personally because it's just more time that I'm on my phone. Um, I like writing things down. I mean, I kind of use Instagram as a bit of a visual diary of where I'm at just to kind of 
be showing and demonstrating to people just what that looks because that's all part of your brand like. so it's like you can kind of clock into instagram and be like oh well i'm on day such and such and this is yeah, what i'm totally. doing and even you know when i first started with instagram it was purely for music and i still use it for music i mean it's all kind of i do lots of different things but i remember someone saying to me in the beginning oh you want to be careful you know if you just talk about your period all the time you'll be that lady that talks about a period all the time and i was kind of like aren't we fucking all that lady like yeah exactly do you know and it's like you know obviously it's not and if we're not we should be well I mean you know again I I, I sort of like hesitate at the word should but I feel like (laughs) if you know it's a part of who I am it's going to be a part of who I am for at least another 10 years so I'm pretty sure it's not going to just go away and I'm going to think oh I'm I've had enough of that now. I might just, you know, <laughs> pretend that's not there again. So, yeah, I've, and, and talking about it, actually really just talking about it. I much prefer to talk about it than to write about it or, you know, be in my own head. And so it's just a simple stuff of like, you know, if someone says, how are you going? And I know they care about me, then I'll say how I'm going. I'll say what day I'm on. I'll say what I'm doing and what I need. And, you know, they might say, oh, same, you know, or, <laughs> or actually I'm day 10, you know, what do you need? Can I pick something up for you or can I, you know, so we help each other. Hi, it's Carly. Just popping in to remind you to leave a review for the podcast if you haven't already. Just go to the show page, not the episode page, and scroll right down to the bottom where it says leave a review. I check reviews every single week and honestly, they make my day. So thank you so much. Also, don't forget this week's bonus is a printable menstrual tracker. You can get that by becoming a Patreon at patreon.com forward slash very excellent habits. Back to the interview. So um, back on the topic of, you know, women who have troublesome periods, do you have any advice for, for women who um, do struggle quite a lot with their bleed and mm. and kind of putting themselves in the right frame of mind to welcome it? Because I do know that there are some women out there who get their periods and it's like nothing even happens. They just mm. bleed and they mm-hmm. don't feel that there's anything that changes. But then there are women that really feel that things mm. change when they start mm-hmm. to bleed. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm probably somewhere in the middle. So I definitely don't have an embodied experience of being like crippled for two days or anything like that. And if that is you or if you're feeling like that right now, then I just want to know that we all really care about you and we really care about your experience. And um, I know that journaling isn't going to make the pain go away, (laughs) but I just think the more your body feels like it's being heard and respected and cared for then maybe that can take an edge off and the other thing I would say is that um you know did you ever hear about how if you're in a car accident and you're you're drunk you please don't quote me on this I'm I'm really (laughs) no I'm really I'm really keen to see where this is going (laughs) okay stay with me so you're this is not an advocate for being drunk in a car accident obviously but (laughs) if you are drunk you're less likely to sustain as serious um an injury than if you're not drunk because if you're drunk you're more likely to be loose and you kind of let it move through you and um, you know, you're not holding on and bracing so that the impact is having um, more effect. So now I will yes, try and I've circle definitely that heard back. of that. <laughs> yeah, cool. Okay. So yeah, now I, I can confirm. So do you see what I mean? It's like, you know, I think when, when you feel like you're not allowed to rest, you're not allowed to stop, you know, just put a tampon in and have a Panadol and get on with it, then... I just feel like it, it makes it so much harder. But if you can just have some time in the day or even if it's just, you know, staying in bed for 20 more minutes and really setting yourself up to really just cloak yourself in some love and some softness and, um, you know, really like sinking into your body. I guess I'm talking about meditation slash relaxation. But, I mean, I do this thing now if I'm anxious or I'm like feeling sore or stressed or like, you know, my shoulders are tight, I'm getting to bed and I'm not feeling great. Um, I close my eyes. I get really comfortable. Um, this is also what I do if I'm like a bit sore and I'm wanting to set myself up for a deluxe period relaxation. Um, put a big pillow under my knees 
and got a weighted blanket and I put my little weighted eye mask on, put a hot water <laughs> bottle there and Sounds then I so s- stretch my arms out and roll my shoulders back and stretch my legs out and, you know, just make sure your jaws soft and your shoulders soft, all the things like really just letting go at every part of your body. And I do this thing where I imagine that I've got two people massaging me from like the tips of my toes right up to my body. Because you know when you're in a massage and you're like, oh, I wish you'd just do that. I wish you'd, I wish I'd just like just get right into my toes. So I give it to myself in my mind and I have like a full body massage in my mind and I try to do that before I'm in pain. Does that make sense? So I'm kind of like... Sense. I'm going to set myself up to really feel like nourished and supported from the inside out and um, and just, yeah, protect myself a little bit and really kind of care for myself. So I hope that makes sense. But I guess... I love that. Yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's like preparing <clears throat> for the pain. Like Yeah, and kind of welcoming it and just saying, mm. I am whatever needs to happen in this body, I'm here for it, I'm... I'm not afraid of it. I'm meeting it with love. I am softening myself. I'm just letting go. And really, if you need to cry, then cry. Whatever it is that you need to just kind of meet and um, be a part of, then I think, yeah, just really try not to be afraid of that. And and sometimes I think it's it's scary to meet our our deepest depths because what if I let go and then there's more pain or it never ends or it's just <laughs> going to happen next month, you know. It's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's really hard sometimes. And um, I guess that's kind of the double-edged sword is that, you know, in doing this every month, we have to meet pain sometimes and we, and we have to meet, you know, all of the hardest parts of ourselves. And the best way to do that is just with love and love and love and more love. And um, that's all I got. (laughs) Thank you for that. I love that. And because my period is due in the next couple of days, Mm. you've given me some lovely homework to, for the first time in my life, welcome it and, Mm. you know, bring bring it to myself with love. Mm. Um, On that note, can we talk about overcoming period shame? Because that's something that comes up for I think most women at some point, Mm. um, unless you happen to be raised in an area outside of sort of Western culture where we've been taught that periods are shameful. Mm -hmm. Um, My mum was a nurse and um, so I was never really particularly shameful about periods, but I also went to an all-girls Catholic school. Mm. So that kind of undid a lot of the good stuff that I had happening at home because I was kind of the gross girl that talked about periods. Um, how can we empower ourselves to be braver about talking about our periods if we have come from those environments where it's really not cool to talk about them? And even just as an adult, when I meet uh, other adult women for the first time and I'm the one that's always going to talk about periods first, I often come up against women who are kind of like, oh, like really uh, they're not keen to talk about it. And, it's, and you know, it, it's absolutely ingrained. But, yeah, just, just some advice on – being a person who talks about periods and also maybe overcoming shame if you want to become a person who talks about periods. Mm. Oh, it's simple. Just write a theatre show about your <laughs> menstrual cycle. That is one surefire way to do it. Um, yeah, you don't need to do that to to deal with shame. Um, yeah, like there's so many little things I'd love to say. And, I mean, I remember when I first started trying period pants and – I remember, you know, rinsing out the pants in a bucket of cold water and I just remember noticing my face and it was kind of like, <laughs> like, this isn't something I'm enjoying, I want to hurry it up, this is gross. And then I was just like, wow, that's really interesting. Like, I mean, yeah, having your hands in a bucket of bloody water might not be your idea of, you know, a great time. But also <laughs> it was like, okay, I'm just going to use this as a little experiment to really show my body I'm not grossed out by myself. Does that make sense? So it was just as as simple as that, as just like altering my face to try and get the rest of me to catch up. And that's something that I'm really aware of all the time because I guess like, um, you know, we communicate in so many different ways. And, you know, one story that um, I tell in the book is about when my little boy was trying to get, into the toilet while I was literally removing a tampon 
and back when I used tampons, he's 15 now. So he was. <laughs> I'm sure he loves his story. <laughs> oh, he does. <laughs> so he was three at the time and he was like, you know, as any parent of a three-year-old will attest to, you don't get to go to the toilet in peace. And so I was just like, oh, really? Like right now? Come on. But because I'd started working, you know, as a sexual health educator and I was all, you know, sex positive and la la la, so I was like, <laughs> yes, what is it? And he was like, what are you doing? And I said, well, this is my tampon. It's one of the ways that I collect the blood that I told you about. He was like, oh, cool. Um, can I look at it? And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, sure, okay, come on in. And so he came in. And he had like a really good look at it. He like put his face right up to my tampon and I was kind of just, just, you know, internally processing all of the stuff that was going on. Like, okay, 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 leave the body, <laughs> leave the body. But the next bit is what was really powerful for me because he looked at my face and he said, mum, is this gross? Oh. And I was like, wow, he's about to take a little nugget of information and wedge it somewhere into his psyche and that's going to be the thing that he remembers in some part of his body whether this thing that happens to me, the woman that he loves, is gross or not. And so I said, no, it's not gross. It's actually amazing and this is like the little nest that I make, you know, every month and if I want to, I can grow a person in there. And he was like... That is so cool. I was like, yeah, it is cool. Now get out. (laughs) (laughs) Mum needs a little bit of privacy. Oh, far out. That story was so beautiful. It gave me goosebumps because, like, it was just so – it was your moment to choose his future experiences with bleeding at that particular – like, at that point. And if you had have said yes, that would have – probably bred someone who's not going to be a very good partner one day should he be I mean, straight. you know, there's there's so many layers <laughs> and, and parts to, like, your understanding, Oh, definitely. But I just thought, wow, this is where it starts. This is where it starts. And, and I'm going to change this story with him. And I'm never going to apologise about my body in any way to him. And so I think sometimes, you know, practising period pride, or smashing period stigma can feel like it's not very natural and like you're faking it and you know like you're kind of not being very authentic but it takes practice you know and I've been in so many Ubers with so many men generally from different countries wearing a red sparkly cat suit and they (laughs) say what are you doing and I used to kind of go oh well I'm just, you know, popping off to do this theatre show about the menstrual cycle. But then I realised I'm apologising. Why am I making myself small? Why am I giving them an avenue to then join in with me on diminishing this thing that I'm actually really fucking proud of? And so I started just being normal about it, you know, and saying, yeah, I'm doing this show. It's about the menstrual cycle. It's about empowering people about what's going on in their bodies and how they can use where they're at. And generally... They they might struggle a little bit, but they try and they I can see the cogs turning and they're like, oh, cool, you know, and they're interested and they want to know more. And, you know, I can see them kind of, you know, just figuring out like, okay, I'm talking about periods, but she's being normal, so I'll just be normal and this is normal. <laughs> okay, we're being normal. Okay, great. So, yeah, and obviously, you know, I, I know that it's um, – it really depends on where you are and your culture and your family and all of those things that make it easier and harder. But start with the people who you know really care about you. Start with the people who you know really care about you and just be honest about what day you're on and, and really try and mind, body and soul, take any of that apology away and really honour your body and yourself where you're at and what you need. And in doing that, you give them permission to do the same. And if we all do that, then... World peace 
kumbaya. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> um, on the topic of, of honoring where you are within your cycle, uh, I've, I'm already really interested in, in tracking my cycle and changing my work habits to accommodate that. But mm. sometimes you have to, like you would have performances that you need to mm. do and sometimes mm. they would happen on a day one mm-hmm. and they would probably be very different to a performance that would happen on a day 12. Do mm. you have any tips for having to do a thing that doesn't line up with where you are in your cycle? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just to reiterate, you can do whatever you want, whenever you want, wherever you are in your cycle, obviously, because we always have and that's how we've been expected to operate. And you have so to. When, you often so don't we have, have a choice. To. That's right. <laughs> so we're pretty good at that. We know how to do that. Um, but it's just, you know, to acknowledge that you do have these phases and if you do, then you might as well use them because you're going to do it 450 times. So, and, you know, there's no sort of wrong time for anything I think there's just more and more or less preparation that you can do and so that's the great thing about you know asking yourself those questions where am I what do I need how can I you know channel my power because if you're in the habit of doing that you're gonna know okay well I'm day 22 now so you know when I'm day 27 do I really want to say yes to running a half marathon? Do I really want to, you know, so where you've got some control to sort of, you know, say yes or no and do a bit of sorting and um, triaging of things that you need to do and where you would like to do them. And sure, I've had so many opening nights where, you know, like sometimes where I think if you're a little bit stressed, even if it's positive stress, um, your body kind of holds on until you get to the thing and then you get your period. And so, yeah, I can't tell you the amount of times I've had an opening night of a whole run of shows and I get my period on the night and I'm just like, well, of course you are. Here you are. Thank you. Let's do this. Let's get in the car (laughs) together and, you know. And to be honest, like, you know, because I would know, you know, that my period is imminent or it's, you know, or I'm very premenstrual and so, you know, I'd try to stay off my phone that day or I'd have a bath or um, I'd eat really well, I'd stay warm. I would really just scaffold well so that, when I hit the stage, I know that I've, I'm ready and the energy that I do have, I'm going to spend it exactly how I want to spend it. And I actually really like performing um, at different parts of the cycle because I get to really use different parts of myself. And, you know, if, I'm, if I've got my period, I feel like I'm always like a bit more gentle and tender and able to be in the moment, be present more when I'm in that sort of do phase, you know, in the pre-ovulatory kind of go, go, go week, um, I talk really fast and (laughs) my partner who's in the show, he animates live cartoons throughout the whole show and he'll be like, can you slow the hawk down, you know, like she's off. So, yeah, I think just really being honest with yourself about where you are and what you need so that then you can go and do the thing that you have to do is it's just like it's just huge it really just makes things easier and kind of greases the wheels because yeah it's like I know just how much more I've got in the tank you know and it just means you don't have energy for the things that you didn't really want to do anyway um and you know I mean I talk with sports players about um sort of using their phases you know to be better um on the I'm not gonna say on the track or the field (laughs) wherever your sport takes place wherever your sport takes place that's right because you know I was talking to some footballers the Eagles about you know preparing for like a grand final and you know what if you've got 10 people who are day one I mean what are you going to do you can't just you know (laughs) not play so it's like well okay well that week before you'd make sure everyone was going to bed earlier um, that you were getting more rest, that you were eating really well, you were staying warm, that you weren't sort of putting yourself under stress, that you were maybe really doing lots of meditation to really kind of strengthen the inside of yourself and make sure that when you do hit that ground, you're ready and you're feeling really strong and internally fortified. You wouldn't be doing, you know, personal best training tests to see how strong you were. You would just be really saving up all that energy and pointing it where you wanted to put it. So preparation. 
One of my favorite bits in the book was where you talk about not breaking up with someone when you're premenstrual or not getting a haircut in your, uh, yeah, like your b- before day one. Yeah. Um, are there any other really funny things that you should avoid at certain parts of your cycle? And have you ever done anything at the wrong point in your cycle and really regretted it? Oh, I think, I mean, the classic one for me um, that I just see across the board is that people, um, you know, when they're in the post-ovulatory, I call it the give phase, and they're feeling good and they're just feeling on fire and everything's great and, yes, I can do this and, yes, I can do that, and you just, you kind of, yes, budget is on fire and, um, yeah, I just say to people, like, this isn't the time to make big ticket commitments because right now you are feeling so abundant and so expansive and like you could dog sit and babysit and give <laughs> give someone a kidney or whatever that you, you could just, do all the things yeah some big things need to be run through a whole cycle that's my rule for myself is that you know if something just seems really like that is the thing to do but I know I'm in that phase, then I'm like, okay, let's just see how I feel about this when I'm premenstrual and when I've got my period. And then if I still want to do it, it's a goer. Um, yeah, I say in the show that if you are in the give phase and you go out on a Tinder date, <laughs> then you need to be very <laughs> careful because you will see the potential in a rock. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I absolutely love that. Um, So I finish the show with a little segment called Kicked My Ass and Kicked Ass, where we Mm. both share something that we struggled with and also something that we rocked at. So Mm -hmm. I'll go first. My kicked my ass this week was that we are in lockdown number six Mm. in Victoria. At the time of recording, it it did just get lifted for regional Victoria, which is nice, but it is starting to feel a little bit like Groundhog Day. And I'm Mm -hmm. just so sorry for everyone Mm -hmm. in Sydney Mm -hmm. as well. I know. It's just bananas. I know. And especially just, yeah, cycle things in lockdown, you know, I just think maybe you might be able to have a nicer period. But I think being in that pre-ovulatory phase and being locked down is like, it's it's really tough. It's just, and you're in Perth, so you haven't experienced many. Not really, no. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm really sorry. I can't. You I don't just, need I to well, I am. I can't even imagine. And and it's just, yeah, it's a it's a really hard time. And I, I know there are a lot of people that are feeling really isolated and, you know, that need a big hug. And, um, yeah, I hope it's coming soon. So what kicked your ass this week, if you don't mind sharing? What kicked my ass? Well, yeah, I've, so I've had a premenstrual week and um, I work from home mostly alone. And I guess I'm pretty extroverted and I realised this week that I was actually a bit lonely, which just is going to sound pathetic after <laughs> talking about people in lockdown. But I, I kind of feel like I want to say that because, um, yeah, it's it's just uh, it's your mental health, isn't it? And and uh, and it's one of those things that when you, yeah, you, you start feeling like it's you. You know, it's like, oh, why do I feel like this? What is this? Yuck. And then you're like, oh, that's right. I haven't seen people and I haven't left the house. And, um, yeah, it's not you. And, you know, tomorrow's a new day and all of those things. And for me, yeah, I guess the other thing of working for yourself is it's really easy to have a pretty elastic routine and not much structure, which then kind of means that all the good things fall off. And so this week I was like, just meditate and exercise every day. And if you're still an asshole at the end of that, <laughs> then okay, maybe it's you. But, we'll have um, to look into this a little bit further. Yes, yes. But so, yeah, I, I meditated. And then Saturday morning um, I went and had a little – well, I went to the beach with my partner and and we got there and it was like all grey and like soupy and there were heaps of seaweed in the water. I was like, I don't want to go in. It's too cold. <laughs> and he was like, well, we don't have to go in, but maybe we should just get wet. I was like, no, okay. <laughs> and then I like paddled and paddled through this sea, had seaweed in my hair and seaweed everywhere. And then um, I only got one wave, but I got the first wave I tried for. So I'm, I think I'm up to my the bit that I kicked ass out because I was like, man, I could have just been at home and stayed grumpy. 
But I fought through this soupy seaweed surf and I caught a wave. and Like surfing, like on a surfboard? Yeah, yeah. Amazing. I'm not like amazing at it. I've only been just sort of dabbling at it for about a year. But yeah, it's just like I think to be in the surf and I'm not really, I'm a Leo. I'm not a natural ocean person. It's like, you know, my ears get cold and sore and stuff. But <laughs> having a wetsuit on makes you feel like you're basically a superhero and I just love cat suits, obviously. <laughs> but also um, getting like pummeled by the waves and then keep keeping on going into them is it just feels like such a I'm not like you know those cold water swimmer people. I just think they're like amazing. But just actually going into the surf and you know it pushes you back and it's like get out of the way and then you're like mm. no I won't and then that's like the only yeah physical experience of just yeah being really like challenged and pushed and and um so yeah that one wave I was like I may have cried a little bit I was like so happy with myself so I love that and I think you should be because surfing just looks really really hard I've seen lots of people like I I watch people do it occasionally on the tv yeah like I just don't understand how the physics of it works no I mean they're freaks those people I'm I'm just happy if I can get up and my hip doesn't pop and I'm like standing (laughs) and like woo I get really tiny waves so but yeah I think it's just yeah foam boards as well Listen to me giving you surfing advice. What surfing advice, yeah. I live in country Victoria. It's, just, it's wasted on me. There is no surf here. Well, but if, you makes- ever, <laughs> if you ever make it to Perth, I'll, I'll take you surfing on a foamy. And oh, that would be perfect. Go in the um, white water and get a little wave. That makes my kicked my ass sound super lame, but I cleaned out my kid's room and I unearthed a bunch of toys on the weekend and she played with them on her own for like half an hour. So it was great. She's two and a half though. So that is a double, triple win. (laughs) She left me alone for a full half hour. I was like, yes. There is immense cathartic power in cleaning out a kid's room, isn't there? Because they're not going to do it. No, God, no. Particularly, do they they ever do it? Because you've got a 15 year old. Uh, we do it once a term and we go into his room and we like put on some music and then we have like a bin for this and a bin for that and it and it's like quite painful for him but it's you know I like uh, the idea of once a term that's just yeah. a really sensible amount of time to times yeah. to do it like that's a good interval deep dive find some old lunch boxes it's yeah bit of reminiscing Oh, like going through all of his stuff and remembering yeah, bits and pieces like, and stuff. Oh, that was, you know, that photo from that or that essay you did or whatever. Yeah. And that was my chat with the lovely Lucy Peach. I can highly recommend reading her book. Again, it is called Period Queen and getting started on tracking your menstrual cycle. You can do this via an app or I have a printable one that you can stick on your wall that is available via Patreon and you can print it off, stick it to your wall and kick it old school tracking your menstrual cycle. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening to Very Excellent Habits, the podcast that helps you create little habits for a big life. I'm Carly Jacobs. You can find me on Instagram at Very Excellent Habits. You can also email me, contact at carlyjacobs.com. You can also record a question for me to answer on the show at speakpipe.com forward slash Very Excellent Habits. And thank you so much to the people who have left episode requests. I'll be getting to those next season. If you do have a topic you desperately want covered, please please leave a voice memo at speakpipe.com forward slash very excellent habits. And don't forget this week's episode bonus is a printable menstruation tracker. So you can keep track of the four phases of your menstrual cycle. You can grab it on patreon.com forward slash very excellent habits. And one more thing, please leave a rating and a review. It's the best way to help people find the podcast until next time. Remember little habits, big life.